Genre. Welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Waxilium, Ladrian, and Wayne from the Alloy of Law. And joining us for the discussion is Protagonist Podcast co-founder Todd Mack. Welcome back, Todd. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. The Alloy of Law tells the story of Wax and Wayne, who are frontier lawmen, but have come back to the big city and get swept up in a crime spree that they feel compelled to stop. Todd. Do you remember how you came to Wax and Wayne? Yeah, I um, I have long admired Brandon Sanderson, both for his uh, pro- pro- prolificness. What's the word? Prodigious his output. Prodigious <laughs> output. <laughs> his prodigious output and um, and the quality of what he writes is is fantastic. And I knew that uh, this series what came after the Mistborn books. Mm-hmm. Um, and it took me a while to kind of swing around and finish the Mistborn series. And uh, and then once I did, I listened to all these on uh, Audible, I think last winter, like a year ago. And I just kind of blasted through these three Wax and Wayne novels and really enjoyed them. And as is the case with Brandon Sanderson, um, they're, they're really interesting stories. And I think they bring up kind of some interesting uh, things to think about too. So, and then I, I think that I is brought it up to you. One of the most intimidating parts of Brandon Sanderson is that he puts out so much, but also everything I've ever read from him is really good. <laughs> it's not just the quantity. It's that, you know, it's all quality. So you really want to kind of in, enjoy it, but it's also like, I, I don't know if I can catch up uh, because there's, there's so much. And anytime a new one drops, you know, it may turn out to be like a, a 1200 page. <laughs> you know, next volume in a series. And so I think there's an intimidation factor that can exist with Brandon Sanderson Mm -hmm. uh, that has prevented me from really delving in to a lot of his work, even though I've never, I've never heard a negative thing about his work. Like it's, it's pretty well regarded both by critics and fans. They're all bestsellers and he has a lot of series going, but um, outside of the ones I've done for this podcast, which every time I've done one for the podcast is like, well, I need to go finish that series. And I've, I've moved on with the series, but I haven't always been able to finish the series because other things keep coming up. Uh, You know, I've always been satisfied, but he just keeps putting out so much. I don't know how he does it. And then I have other favorite authors where it's like, will you please finish that trilogy? You're sitting on book two for a decade now. (laughs) I just want book Uh, three. Not to name any names, right? (laughs) It's another series you recommended to me, Todd. Thank you. (laughs) Did I recommend that to you? Yeah, The Name of the Wind. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, I never even read the second one. I'm not going to read the second one until I can get. Oh, the... It's it's really good. <laughs> like he, he, he's not he's not a dip in quality between book one and book two. It's just I want yeah. book three. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna waste any time on book two until book three comes out. I really think it will at some point. It's got to come out. I really hope it does. He's set up so many interesting things. Like I re- I recently kind of uh, re-listened to them on Audible, and I was like, oh, like I see so many of the threads that are just there waiting to be you know, sewn together. Oh, all right. But we're not talking about 
<laughs> the name of the wind and Patrick Rothfuss's amazing yet incomplete trilogy. We're talking about the alloy of law, which is the first book of a series called wax and Wayne written by Brandon Sanderson. And this is set on the same world as the Mistborn trilogy of books. Uh, but it's jumped about 300 ish years uh, after that Mistborn trilogy. Yeah. So I, I didn't know all this. I found out some of this looking trivia that that original Mistborn trilogy is called era one. And it's more of like a medieval renaissance high fantasy uh-huh. flavor, right? And, uh, I, yeah, I think it's supposed to be like 16th, like 17th century. Mm-hmm. 17th, maybe early 18th century. Okay. And this Wax and Wayne series is era two, and it's more of like a Wild West frontier uh, blended with a fantasy setting. And yeah, I, and, and and quickly, it's a, it's a, it's a fast-moving, move. fast-evolving fast society because – of the things that happen at the end of the Mistborn trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like human, um, like all the like technology. The revolution and everything is moving faster. Yeah, it's, it's moving much faster than than you would expect. Yeah, because we have so full, It starts full and it feels and... like, yeah, it feels like, like wild, really wild west at the beginning. And by the end, it's it feels very industrial. Mm-hmm. And I kind of love that idea of setting up like a fantasy world, which so often with, with fantasy books, it is this kind of pre-industrial, you know, high fantasy world that we can all kind of imagine uh, in our heads, but then jumping ahead and imagining that society, you know, Mm -hmm. centuries later. And I think there's one reason that a lot of authors don't do this is there's the danger of kind of saying, well, did any of that stuff from that earlier one matter? If, Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're jumping ahead. I mean, in some ways, I think that's an issue that some people have with the the sequel trilogy of Star Wars is like, well, if they vanquished the Empire, but now we're starting with, you know, the yeah, um, the Kylo Ren, you know, as, as a power of the galaxy. Like, it's like, well, what was the point of all of that? Yes. Uh, that that came before. And my sense, and I I don't know the Mistborn. I haven't finished the Mistborn trilogy, but my sense is like, there's there's enough hints that everything that happened in that trilogy mattered and has set the course for where we're at in this that i think sanderson actually addresses that concern within this world oh i I think he absolutely does and it's just um the end of the mistborn uh trilogy is really it's very interesting we should talk about it sometime Mm -hmm. it's super interesting and um and really does uh kind of create a new world in in a lot of different ways he he frees himself from some of the um uh he he's he doesn't he's not tied to the world of Mistborn um directly because there are massive changes that happen uh, between these two series mm-hmm. that make it so that the world is it's just enough the same that you go oh yeah I recognize this uh but it's also different in really really important ways and um, and it allows for kind of freedom and creativity uh, in this new series it makes it really great. Um, and uh, so, so Alloy of Law was published in November 2011, and it had a sequel uh, published in 2015, and a third book in the series published in 2016, and they've announced a fourth book that's going to wrap up Era 2 uh, and wrap up this Wax and Wayne set of characters and, and this setting. Uh, is going to be published next year in 2022. Hmm. 
And then I saw that Sanderson's plans that he's announced is to publish another trilogy that will be in era three, which is going to be equivalent to like Earth's 1980s, like computer mm. early computer technology, uh, cyber. I, I would guess some cyberpunk punk cool. flavor, but I don't know uh, to that. But then also he said there will be an era four set of novels, which will be a space opera. <laughs> How? <laughs> like that is a very bold publishing plan, but also at the same time, like within a decade, I bet he's done it. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. I bet he's knocked it all out. It's amazing. You know what the funniest thing about, uh, about Brandon Sanderson's just amazing output is that, um, so he wrote this series called Alcatraz and the evil librarians, which mm-hmm. some, like a middle grade should, series. Someday we should talk about this. My, my daughter really, has really read funny. them. She'd be very they're delighted. Really? If did. They're very good. Did it um, but there is clearly another book that needs to be written in that series to make it complete. And my wife read it with my son and mm-hmm. she, she probably asks me every couple months, has that book come out yet? Has that book come out yet? And I'm, like, I'm sorry. It has not come out yet. She goes to the library. This book has to have come out by now. And they're like, no, it really hasn't come out yet. <laughs> She's feeling the the pain, like the Patrick Rothfuss kind of pain, right? With this one, it's it's like you, you write a hundred books a year. Can you please just finish the series so that all the kids can know what happens to Alcatraz in the end? But he hasn't I'm, done it yet. I imagine that's a, a an issue with. Uh... Oh wait, let's see. Oh, it's it says it's expected to be released in the first quarter of twenty twenty two. Okay. So good. You can be very happy to co-authored with Jancy Patterson. So uh, it's so good. Those are fun books. So yeah, it it looks like it will happen. I was gonna say, I wonder if that's a more of a publisher than, than a Sanderson Mm -hmm. uh, interest, but, but it looks like they're doing it. So great. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's see. What else was, uh, did I have as far as for me? I don't have any, like we've done a couple of Brandon Sanderson books before, and I know like his entire Cosmere set of books, which I believe this one is, uh, is part of that um, have been optioned, uh, but no word on, you know, are we talking like series of prestige series on, on a streaming service? Or are we talking, you know, series of films? No, no word on that at least. You know what? I will. I hope they just leave it alone. Uh, I, I can't imagine they will. Can't imagine they will. I don't know if you know the desire and demand for content right now. Just leave it alone. Uh, I, I mean, if his works, I don't know how you could do films. Like, like just thinking through some of the, the works that he does, it's got to be like miniseries length, where it's like, okay, we have as much time to tell this as we need. Not, we have to fit this all into two hours. I know. Well, somebody, somebody's going to want the rights to the whole thing, and then they say, oh, and. It's a whole franchise. Well, they optioned the whole Cosmere. Thing. Like his Cosmere know, stuff that's is what all they want. optioned simultaneously. Yeah, I don't know, but it's just I, I don't trust anybody to do it right. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that, uh, that trepidation. Lots of terrible ways to 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 deal with books, and and not very many really great ones. <laughs> just leave it alone. Just let us read them. Or, or intend to read them and be intimidated. <laughs> Let us intend to read them and feel a little bit guilty or uh, sad that we can't read them all, yeah. all the time. All right. Well, before we move on to the full summary, we want to thank each and every one of you for listening and especially thank those of you who support us on Patreon. If you'd like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least $8 per month. All, support, all supporters on Patreon at any level receive 
access to our special quickcasts, which are shorter monthly episodes. And we should talk about the media we've been consuming that we aren't yet covering as full episodes of the podcast. And we will soon begin giving updates on our fantasy box office game because we're going to be relaunching that for 2022. Uh, I had to remember what year it is because all the years have blended together. I, I, I don't know if this is middle age or... Uh... <laughs> Or uh, pandemic <laughs> has really ruined my sense of time and and what year we're even in. Uh, but yes, 2022, we're gonna uh, play play fantasy box office once more. And all patrons who support us with five dollars per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. On to the spoiler zone summary. Waxillian Ladrian, and I do just have to say. This absolutely feels like a case of a character having a name so that the book series can be called Wax and Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know that Waxilium is a name that you you land on on a first pass without that end goal of him having a partner named Wayne in mind. Yeah. Uh, but Waxilium Ladrian is a lawman in the roughs. He uh, and in this world, um, I can't remember the names of all the magic systems that exist on this world. And I know there are Brandon Sanderson fans who absolutely could, but basically he has the power to like push metals, either push them away from himself or you like if the metal is anchored, he can push off of it and launch himself, particularly because he can adjust his own weight and mass. So he can make himself really light and push, push off of uh, a fixed piece of metal and kind of like float up into the air. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he, this is very much feels like just old West frontier, you know, cowboy kind of character that we have duster and, you know, all of that kind of look he and his partner slash love interest, Lessie are hunting a murderer. They find him, but the murderer captures Lessie and in the fight she is killed and wax is not okay. This kind of shakes him up. He returns to the big city where his very rich family is from his uncle and sister recently died. And now he's the head of a house uh, and he's given up his badge. Uh, he has a, a butler that takes care of him. He he's he's retired from law keeping, but he still kind of can't resist the urge sometimes to go out at night and and do a little a little law keeping. So at this point, I was like, oh, this is Batman. <laughs> Brandon Sanderson has written Batman right now. Right. <laughs> um, his uncle was a wastrel and the family's finances are in trouble. He sees the need to make a marriage a convenience to a financially stable house, not only for him and his butler, but also because his family is kind of in charge of a whole section of the city that his family rules. And uh, like the, the economic well-being of everyone in that region depends on his family being in a good financial position. So he he has like a a, a sense of a moral obligation uh, to to do this, and he meets Steris Harms, a wealthy and very serious woman who wants to strengthen both their houses through marriage, and she is very interested in like the contract and the mechanics of this, not so much the romance or the love. <laughs> she has a contract drawn up for them about the schedule of their feigned courtship before it will be announced they're engaged. Wax is not excited, but he is resigned <laughs> to this that this is the right course of action. Uh, his old partner, Wayne, shows up. Wayne is investigating a series of robberies by a group called the Vanishers. Wayne is a master of disguise, and he can make time bubbles around himself where time passes super slow outside of the bubble. Uh, and he can also heal himself, kind of Wolverine style, uh, extra fast. Wayne wants Wax's help, but Wax is retired and he's out of that game and doesn't want to be pulled back in. Uh, at a wedding party for another noble, though, Max uh, is there with Steris, kind of to be seen in public together. Uh, and Steris's father and her cousin, uh, Marasi, is that how that name is said? Marasi. 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 Uh, and Marcy's really an illegitimate half-sister of Steris. Uh, they're there. The Vanishers attack this party. And Wax and Wayne hold back. Like, they, they do have the instincts to go all in. But 
they're like, you know what? It's just going to cause more trouble. Uh, more people will get hurt if we try and stop the vanishers. So we just need to let them do their thing and exit. Um, and uh, but in this, Steris is taken hostage. Wax thinks he recognizes the leader of one of the vanishers as an old lawman named Miles. And then uh, the vanishers kill someone in the party, and Wax and Wayne go all out <laughs> and they take out every vanisher uh, without anyone else getting hurt in in this process and it's one of those things where sanderson wrote this magical action so clearly that i was never confused but i could not describe it (laughs) in this summary (laughs) but it's very impressive the way that he builds this set of fantastic powers for wax and wayne and makes them so clearly distinctly known that the reader is able to follow what's happening and demonstrate like the interaction of their powers with one another, how masterful each one is in using their powers. But also like, I can't, I can't step back and describe it. So we're just going to move on. <laughs> so uh, Wax and Wayne now are going to do their investigation thing with the help of Marcy, who is extremely educated and competent. They find out where the vanishers hideout is, but Wax's Butler tries to poison them and blow them up both. Like this Butler is going all out to kill them. However, Wayne's time bubble saves them, and the butler dies in the explosion. They find the Vanisher's hideout abandoned, and they go to an old friend and gunsmith named Renette, who helps them out. Uh, Wax gets, like, a conspiracy theory board of everything that he knows. Like, he, he just needs to visualize all the pieces to this puzzle. And he gets it all up on the board, and he looks at it, and he's able to figure out what Miles' scheme is, because he tries to think like Miles. And, like, there's a couple scenes where, like, we see some stuff from Miles' point of view, where Miles talks about being, because Miles was a lawman in the rough. Like, he was a good guy. But he talks about, like, how frustrating sometimes it is, because as lawmen, they're trying to think like criminals, and they keep thinking better plans than the criminals. (laughs) (laughs) like they they could be more Mm -hmm. confident than the criminals are and that's kind of part of the siren call that miles has fallen prey to um and uh miles or, or at this point wax knows exactly what miles next step has to be he knows what train they're going to rob he sneaks into the train car that they're going to rob and uh hides in there knowing that he's going to be taken and he'll be taken to miles's hideout but miles figures out this is exactly what wax must do he's trying to think like wax so they're having a game of cat and mouse where they're both the cat uh and and think the other one's the mouse but really they're just it's a really fun back and forth uh with with how those those two interact eventually there's a long battle that again i'm not gonna try and summarize how they use their power and in the end it's marisy who has a power that she kind of assumed was a lame power which is to make a time bubble where the outside world passes quickly and everyone inside the bubble is looks like they're frozen to the outside world but she's able to get miles in one of the these bubbles while hordes of police arrive and surround the bubble so that when the bubble comes down miles is kind of overwhelmed and trapped by force miles was was called hundred lives is that what he was called mm-hmm. yeah because like violence couldn't kill him uh like like he can heal from basically anything with, with his powers N- no explosion bullet wound anything could could actually kill him uh but he could still be restrained and and trapped and so she's able to to get him in a position where he's going to be trapped so uh here in the denouma wax realizes that there must be someone who was funding miles and he he kind of does his conspiracy board again and like thinks through what actually makes sense and he realizes his uncle faked his death and his uncle uh, is the one who was orchestrating the vanishers and everything that's been going on. And so now he plans to stay in the city and thwart his uncle's plans. Also, Marisy is in love with Wax uh, as a final little coda here and kind of like strongly hints to him like, hey, I'm in love with you. And he's kind of like, I am way more interested in you than in, uh, what's her name? I can't even remember her name. <laughs> the- Steris. 
uh, Starris, who is rescued. Like he, he rescued Starris in, in, in that final battle. Uh, but it doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm older than you. And also my house really needs the financial stability of Starris. So I'm going to keep the contract I have with Starris, the end. And that was a pivot I was not expecting uh, like <laughs> to stick with that. Where I'm like, oh, okay. This is one of those like long storyline things where, where, okay, this is being set up for the next novel. Uh, that that yeah. we're still kind of waiting. Wait, how is this all going to work between them? So that's the end of of this story. So Todd, this one was a request from you that we we tackle this story. <laughs> what is it about Wax and Wayne that kind of grabs you? Like, what, is there one of these characters that kind of interested you that you wanted to make sure we talked about? Uh, is it Sanderson's world building or his plots? What do you think? So. Uh... There's, uh, I think there's a few things that, that draw my attention here and, um, the world building, definitely the fact that it's this combination of, um, Western style cowboy novel plus detective story plus fantasy that checks plus superhero. There's definitely plus superhero. Yeah. It, like, like Marvel superhero elements. Yeah. It checks a lot of boxes for me. Um, and you know, we've, I've talked before long ago about, um, about how much I love uh, westerns and Louis L'Amour westerns and the 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 lonely cowboy who gets kind of sucked into uh, helping people even though he'd kind of rather be alone and uh, and so Wax is uh, is a an intriguing kind of attractive character to me because of that um, and, and I I love the stakes of this it doesn't feel like oh the world is gonna be in the balance and stuff. It's kind of just a, it's a pretty simple little story. Um, it has some cool turns in it. Uh, I love the way that Brandon Sanderson, um, in many of his stories, uh, takes what seems to be a weakness of a character uh, and shows how that can be a strength. And it's something that I, I'm certain that he's very interested in. And, and I think that he thinks a lot about um, about disability and he thinks about um, uh, mental illness and uh, a lot of what it, it, he really he really thinks hard about Im- important things um, and so you know for Marcy at the end who's always kind of embarrassed that she of her power because it's so pointless um, and for that to turn out to be the thing that kind of saves the day is a, is a nice touch. And then just these relationships between these characters, uh, Wax, the relationship between Wax and Wayne, um, and Steris and Marcy, and these are great characters, and they just they build. And over the course of the three novels, um, their relationships change in unexpected ways. Um, and you kind of think you know where this is going, like oh, here's Wax and and Marcy, and and in the end, he's like, oh, I'm too old for you, and I'm going to stick with Steris. And you think, oh, well. Um, <laughs> now, now you think, you know, what's going to happen mm-hmm. in the second book, but do you really, yeah. and, um, like I feel like with Steris, he was clearly setting up her as, um, you know, the, this no nonsense, uh, very serious business kind of arrangement, uh, for the marriage. But I think he was also laying seeds where we didn't get to know her very well in this story because she spends the bulk of the book kidnapped. Uh, and I, I don't think she's in this world to be a damsel in distress. So 
I imagine book two, we're going to be much more impressed with Steris or our, our opinion is going to, of her is going to change beyond what we have of her in book one. I don't know that we're going to say, Oh, those two deserve, you know, are the right love interests or anything like that. But I, I just don't think where we're at with Steris yeah, at the end of book one is where I would be if I went on and, and read book two right now. Yeah, the, the, absolutely. The final thing that I really love about this book is um, there's this whole theological system that gets set up and it it's it, it's hard it's hard to explain it without just kind of rehashing uh the Mistborn stories um which we don't need to do but but it's very interesting because the end of the Mistborn novels uh at the end of the Mistborn novels a new deity is created and and everybody kind of knows because it's a big event, you know, when a new deity is created. <laughs> um, and yet out of that, in this relatively short time that passes, a bunch of religions spring up. Um, and some of them worship, you know, this new deity called Harmony. Uh, some worship uh, this guy that they called Iron Eyes, who is um, kind of a bad guy <laughs> in the in the Mistborn novels. Um, and some of them take different approaches uh, to their worship of harmony. There's one religion that's kind of everybody can kind of worship him how they want. There's another one that's kind of more formal church. But I think it's very interesting that he's he's done this thing where it's like it's not a secret what happened. Everybody knows. It's the whole reason that their world exists. And it's not like it happened millions of years ago. It happened 300 years ago, and it's well-documented. And even in that situation, um, it's like humans cannot help but find different ways of uh, of approaching deity, and and waxes in the middle of that. And he he's a believer, and he has to he's kind of working through his own relationship with uh, with harmony uh, in interesting ways throughout. And there's this scene that uh, at the end of the novel when he actually has a conversation with God in the middle of a gunfight. And it's really cool. <laughs> I love it. It's just so, um, it's so interesting and something that is, um, is very uh, seldom treated in any of those kind of stories that we talked about. You don't see it in, uh, in high fantasy, not like this. And you don't see it in, uh, in detective stories and you don't see it in Marvel superhero stories, you see it in star Trek and it's totally hokey. Mm -hmm. Uh, but this one's not, it's really cool. And, and God actually is, uh, is a very interesting character in these books. And, and in part, uh, God is an interesting character because we know who God is. Cause we, cause we read, uh, we read God's story all through those Mistborn novels. Yeah, I, um, the religion side of it was a really interesting thing because it wasn't something that I was familiar with. How the Mistborn novels wrapped up, right? You know, right. I, 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 we did the first Mistborn novel for an episode years ago. I never got around to the second and third. I mean, I, I meant to, but <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I didn't know what this world was, and I was able to follow that. There's different relationships relationships with divinity for different characters in this and 
even though I didn't have that connection that you did with harmony and this idea of like the new deity, when he does have that moment where he actually like, hears the voice of God, essentially. Uh, and, and he asks some of those questions that everyone at some point asks, if you have any sense of, uh, of deity, uh, or if you're a critic of deity of like, well, well why are bad things happening right now? Right. <laughs> like, why, why are you helping me? And God's gonna be like, I have helped you, <laughs> you know, like, like you're here right now to help everyone else. And, and I've helped you. I'm not, I'm not putting my thumb on all the scales, but, Here's the thumb on the scale, uh, yeah, you know, a little bit, a little bit the, for you right now. The conversation, moment, but you still got to go do what you need to do. I'm not coming in to sweep out miles and, and all the vanishers or anything like that. The conversation is so interesting. So, so, so wax is in the middle of this gunfight and everything is going wrong. And he's a, he's a devout guy. I mean, he really, he really does believe in harmony and, and, and tries to kind of do the, live the life of of a believer and and everything is going wrong and so it says he groans he leans his head back against the floor and he thinks this thought i thought i asked for a little help a voice returned to him distinct and unexpected and a little is what you received i think uh wax started well could i have some more then um please (laughs) and then god says uh, i must be careful in playing favorites it upsets the balance uh, and Wax says, your God isn't playing favorites kind of the point. No, the voice replies. The point is harmony, creating a way for as many as possible to make their own choices. Like, that's an interesting thought, right? Uh, the point is harmony, creating a way for as many as possible to make their own choices. Um, and then uh, Wax says, this is a very bizarre conversation. And God says, yes. Um and then Wax thinks, how can you see things like what has been done by the Vanishers and not do something to help? And God says, I have done something to help. I sent you. I was like, oh, I really like that. <laughs> There's something really profound in this little conversation that happens between uh, this um, this hardened gunfighter and God in the middle of a gunfight. And there's some really kind of thought-provoking things about there about what is the what is the nature of deity, uh, what is the purpose of God, um, and how do we kind of square the fact that we feel like like God has a will, um, and and is all powerful, um, and should be a little more involved in things, <laughs> uh, and um, and these kinds of conversations uh, repeat in in the other stories and and max uh, wax really kind of de- starts to develop a relationship with with harmony that's it's super interesting um and and one of the things that kind of takes what is just kind of a cool story and turns it into something that i go man I, i'm gonna be thinking about that for a while mm-hmm. um before we dig into some of the, the individual characters, I think one thing that I did enjoy, um, I mentioned it in the summary that I'm like, oh, well, this is Batman, but he starts with the cowboy. And for American literary history, we have this trend of the outsider hero that mm-hmm. kind of uses violence to defend society, but doesn't belong to society. He's always like on this liminal space between savagery and civilization right. uh, and, and and living on the end, but but protecting the morality and, uh, you know, the 
the members of society, but they use the tools of savagery in order to do that. And it kind of goes from the frontiersman character trope to the cowboy character trope to uh, the the private eye to the pulp heroes and the detect and the superheroes. And it's like, uh-huh. oh, well, in this book, we kind of get a lot <laughs> of of uh, a lot of those key yeah. versions of of the outsider hero because we see him as the cowboy, we see him kind of as the Batman figure when he's got the butler. And and I was like, how long is like is this really because it felt very batman-y for that one chapter but then it goes away because the butler's a bad guy (laughs) you know tries to poison and blow him up but we also get like the private eye detective version um of this outsider hero so we get a lot of the character types that are really important in american literary history rolled up into one single character in a way that definitely functioned and it all worked uh because this is this amalgamation world that he's built that's going to be blending several different genres and several different world types into one place um, uh, that it it felt right to see that kind of exploration happening with a single character in this world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hadn't uh, I hadn't thought of the way that he kind of melds all of those archetypes into one character, but it's clearly what he's done. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which is kind of probably why it you know, ticks all the boxes for me because I like all of those kinds of stories. Oh, I do too. Uh, and I mean, I think I say this for every Sanderson book we read, but I, I think I'm going to be getting book two <laughs> pretty soon. <laughs> and and follow they're the really story. short. Yeah, I mean, these, these not... ones aren't like uh, Stormlight Archives where it's like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> those books are also excellent. Um, yes. And, and they feel really epic and weighty and they have millions of characters and and it's really hard to follow what's going on these books are not like that at all <laughs> they're, they're really simple stories the cast of characters is relatively small um everything is contained in in something that you feel like you can kind of wrap your arms around and just yeah. enjoy in a in in a short burst that's a great transition because they want to talk about the cast of characters now yeah my favorite in a way that he was deployed is is Wayne. I wouldn't. I, I don't think I want Wayne to be the protagonist or the central character we follow through everything. <laughs> I want him to be the spice. <laughs> yeah, that 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 brightens up a story. And I'm sure there's probably in the series there's there have to be chapters where Wayne's going to be the main character. Like he can't do a four book series called Wax and Wayne and not give him time as sure. as the protagonist. But in this one, it was like oh, every time Wayne's in, <laughs> his very twisted logic that remained consistent was a delight it's hilarious <laughs> and and like his moral code so he won't use guns and we find out a little bit of backstory that the one time he used a gun it ended very badly and he has tremendous guilt about this and he's kind of it's kind of like the peter parker <laughs> like i've right. tried to correct this one mistake for the rest of my life mm-hmm. uh uh but he's an expert at law keeping and, and violence and fighting uh he he what do, what do they call it? his dueling canes yep, <laughs> he has he uses, dueling canes and he, and he has speed bubbles he uses time bubbles to, like pop around with his dueling canes and disarm people that have guns uh because he he hates guns but also uh he has this logic that he, he'll never steal something but if he needs something for an investigation he'll he'll go make a trade without telling the other person that he's trading so it's like <laughs> if we need uh, you know, a shell casing to go do a little research on that shell casing i'm gonna go steal that from the police but i'm gonna leave something in its place it's a trade i'm, I'm not there's nothing morally wrong with trading <laughs> right and and the things that he leaves are always nonsensical yes and often more valuable than the thing he's taking but they're also so nonsensical like a point is made that the person who gets it is not going to know that this was more valuable but it was way more valuable yeah. <laughs> than the thing that he just stole yes. um and the way that just the way his his speech patterns is so distinct from the other characters and i, I can't 
really describe it, but his voice is so distinctly Wayne's voice and not, you know, Wax's voice or, or any of these other characters that we meet that I just was really kind of fascinated uh, with Wayne. But again, I kind of want to, I want that fascination to stay a little mysterious where like, I, I, I don't know that I want to find out everything that is making Wayne tick. I just want to like observe some of the strangeness that is Wayne. And you've read the other two and I know there's a fourth in the series. So probably we will find out a lot more about Wayne and I, I would find it satisfying, but the way he gets deployed in this book, I thought was perfect. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and we do, uh, we do learn more about Wayne and, um, and you know, there's some interesting things, but, but in, in another way, we kind of, kind of know what we need to know about him mm-hmm. <laughs> in this book. It's not like you're reading it thinking, Oh, I don't understand this character. You kind of get him. Mm-hmm. Um, so have you you're just you've actually read the books like a barbarian right you haven't listened to the audiobooks of these uh no i did do this you? one as an audiobook just because of time <laughs> i was like okay i need to, i did storm like our archive as a book and i was like okay that was a lot of brandon Sanderson. <laughs> yeah <laughs> the, the first one there so the interesting thing about the audiobooks i don't know if this is the guy that reads the audiobooks is very talented and does many voices for many different characters. And there are lots of characters, lots and lots and lots of characters. You think that the Harry Potter books have lots of characters, but <laughs> uh, they don't hold a candle to the, the just the volume is astounding. Um, but there are. There's there is a character in um, in Way of Kings and those books uh, whose voice is exactly the same as Wayne's voice, and um, it's very interesting to me because it's the Cosmere, mm-hmm. and you think, oh, why do these guys have the exact same voice? Because it really is exactly which character the same. is it? Because I don't. It's um, it's the funny guy that uh, that only has one arm and he's always making jokes about being one armed. Oh, I'm trying to... It's a funny guy that's on the bridge crew. Oh, right, right, right. And he only has one arm, and he's yep. always making jokes uh-huh. about everything that he can do with one arm. That's okay. the guy. And he has, and he does the same voice. He and Wayne have the exact same voice. And I don't know if it's just because that's what a funny person is supposed to sound like or, <laughs> or if there's something more there, uh, but it's interesting. Um, I think Marisy is a very cool character. Yes. Um, She's... She's very smart, um, and she studies. She studied legal justice and criminal behavior or something, um, and she just worships Wax. She thinks he's so, like she. So she had studied his life before meeting him. Like she knew right. all of his stories, his greatest she, uh, captures in the in the on the frontier or the yeah. Rust, he is the he's the subject of her research. Yeah, like he's a, um, a almost a folklore figure, and yeah. she's the folklorist who has. Uh, ensured that every scrap of information that comes to the city from the roughs about him has been preserved. And she's just this really great combination of um, competency and intelligence and innocence, naivety. And, um, and it's just, it's fun to see her interact with this guy who she has always seen as this mythical figure now kind of come to life. She's, she's, clearly attracted to him um but she also kind of holds her own and and does um i mean she she's not 
um she's not a throwaway character she's not mm-hmm. just there as like a love interest or something she's a legit character who does really great stuff and i think when you are writing that kind of character who in some ways is like our eyes in there can be the danger of making them too overwhelmed by the world around them or mm-hmm. too competent in a world that they don't know and i think sanderson does strike a good balance of showing that she's competent but also she's she is not seasoned <laughs> like she's right. she, she she doesn't know how wax and wayne work together yet uh like she knows it academically but in person it's very different uh and it's not that she is overwhelmed. She's just inexperienced in the world of fighting, you know, and, and, the, and the kind of violence that they, that they have to enact uh, in, yeah. in their roles. And it's, it, I, I think it is a tricky balance to do, uh, you know, either, either too innocent or too, too competent when you, when you want to create, uh, you know, a compelling character that is, is going to be filling that, that, that role. And I, I think Sanderson really does strike that balance fairly well. If she's too innocent, then it, she she can't do anything. Mm-hmm. And if she's too competent, then there's nowhere for her to grow uh, towards. And you want these characters to be able to to change and and grow. And Marcy really does that over the course of of the novels. And he gives her a good starting place where she's pretty naive, but she's also not completely helpless. Um, she's totally starstruck by him, but also, uh, you know, she knows some things he doesn't like. She, she is. <laughs> yeah. Adding, uh, yeah. She adds something to the team. Mm-hmm. So I think she's great. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, and wax, I think this isn't an uncommon issue that our kind of stoic, uh, center of the universe is sometimes less compelling than the side characters <laughs> that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, spice up or or add splashes of color to it so like wayne is a very broad comedic character and wax is the straight man and yeah that doesn't mean wax is a bad character it just means he has a different role in that partnership uh and, and both in terms of how they're going to carry out their their like mission as characters but also their role as characters for the audience they're fulfilling very different roles for us uh, and being a straight man can be a less compelling uh or, or less exciting type of character to have than the comedic sidekick but you have to have the straight man for the sidekick to mat you know to, to bounce off of yeah and they and they really do play like a like a comedy pair like a vaudevillian like laurel and hardy or mm-hmm. um abbott and costello they do uh they do great comedy together and wax is willing to play that game i mean he's he gets what wayne is up to and and they he he plays the jokes Mm -hmm. um but not not in a way that takes away from i think there has to be some kind of of gravitas with wax in order for him to have those conversations with god uh, later (laughs) um it would be not impossible but it would be very different uh if it were just a a a silly character like wayne uh, in that situation but wax is he's a serious guy. He's been thinking about serious things. Um, and so it's not surprising when God shows up and wants to talk to him. Uh, one thing I think is kind of interesting is I think a word we can use for all three of these main characters that we end up in this, in this kind of team working together, uh, Marcy, Wax and Wayne, they're all competent, but the flavor of that competency is so distinct and so different. Mm-hmm. And it actually ends up, 
providing contrast, um, you know, with one another, even though that that description of competent is a label that I think absolutely fits for every every one of those characters. Yeah, I agree totally. And I think that's that's a really interesting thing to pull off because sometimes for uh, drama or uh, tension, incompetence is an easy thing to lean into for a character. <laughs> you know mm. that the, their mistake, uh, you know, is going to cause tension on the team or cause a plan to blow up. And in this instance, it's really they're they're facing off again that word could work as uh, against a very comp- competent villain and that's that's it's this external threat and they're going to be united uh and each having their roles to fill and they're all very good at what what role they have in order to get to success I, it's one thing i remember like a description about why um west wing is interesting is it's it's good people working together towards a common goal and the issues that they're trying to overcome are external it's not petty bickering you know right. with, within the team and sometimes for the sake of drama in a group dynamic you it, I, I think it's a very natural thing to lean into is, is some of that that bickering or that that internal uh discord and we we don't really see that in in this trio yeah um uh <laughs> in this book yes okay. thanks <laughs> yeah <laughs> But no, I totally. I, it, it, it's um, in some ways it's like a heist, mm-hmm. like a heist film where you got to get the team together and everybody has a specific thing that they can do. And I would um, just say, absolutely, I would expect in a four book series that you're going to have Empire Strikes Back moments where everyone gets separated, or you know, there, there's issues on the team, right. and it's it's not the well-oiled machine working together. I'm just yeah. strictly talking about this this version of these characters right here. Yeah, and and they they are all competent, and their competencies uh support each other and i mean they play like they play well together um and so it the story works Mm -hmm. and even uh i mean the character that we maybe get the next most well we get a point of view storyline from from miles at least so that um gives us a, a sense of his motivation and and you know the the classic villain turn where it's like well i'm really the good guy right here right you know, I'm not only have I like gamed out what bad guys should be doing and they're failing to do. So I know how to do that, but I actually have a good reason to be doing it is his mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, you know, when, when I'm in power, I'd be able to really solve the problems of the roughs, uh, which these people in this big city don't, don't even care about. Uh, you know, it's, it, there, there's no concern. And a, and a lot of the ills of this city are just also exaggerated versions of what we saw in the roughs. And so I needed kind of clean house here. Uh, and he's so, not wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not wrong. I mean, the the system in the city really is messed up, mm-hmm. and there's a ton of corruption and uh, bureaucracy and inefficiency, and criminals go hey, free all like the time. The, uh, yeah, what 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 justice actually is has been twisted. Yeah, and so there is a there is a side uh, of I mean, from a from a point of view, mm-hmm. uh, Miles is is totally right and wax can see it well, you know that, and that's, wax can he, totally see it he, he, yeah. he like gives the the uh the temptation speech you know to, to wax mm-hmm. and you know wax wax doesn't agree with miles tactics at all <laughs> even if he sees the same problem and knows that there needs to be a better solution right um and and so he's not going to give into that temptation but uh, i think i think that's the main reason we get that point of view story is to say you know what <laughs> here let's not just have this be 
you know, the the bad guy for the sake of being a bad guy or the uh, um, oh, what is, I was just talking to Todd Peterson and he he mentioned uh, he called it, uh, Iago like a, what is it, a malignant something. I can't remember, like, a, you know, just walking malignancy, essentially. Right. You know, like there's no they're there that's driving it. It's just I'm there to be evil. Uh, right. and that's not the case with Miles um, at all. And uh, that it's almost become you know, uh, a trope to just talk about it's, you know, you need the villain to think they're the good guy uh, to, to, to make it compelling. And I think that's, that could be a really compelling though. Also, sometimes it is interesting to have, or, or, or it could be entertaining to have that walking malignancy. <laughs> just like, okay, this is just the bad guy that needs to be vanquished. And that's, that's all there is to right. it. I'm not, I'm not saying that's always the wrong choice to be had. It's definitely not the choice Sanderson is giving us in this novel. Yeah. And it rarely is in Sanderson's books. Mm-hmm everybody there's always there's always purpose behind what people do and um and sometimes that is um is idealistic like in the case of miles and sometimes it's just personal right (laughs) this person did this thing to me and i want revenge or uh i was abused as a child and so i'm gonna get mine um and and Miles is different. He really, uh, he really is convinced that this world is corrupt, and that he's got a solution for yeah, it. Yeah, he's a he's a cleanser for for yeah. this corruption, and the corruption is real. Yeah, and I, I mean, we we talked about how uh, Wax is kind of a Batman figure. Uh, when you have the Vanishers like go over the party, I absolutely was thinking about in the Dark Knight when the Joker shows up. But mm. the Joker is not Miles in terms of villains. <laughs> like right. the Joker is like, oh, there's corruption everywhere, so everyone should just lean into the chaos and and the wildness and uh, depravity uh, of it all. And the, for Miles, it's there needs to be order. It's just the current order. The status is not quo, and I need to create a new order that I, you know, I will be in charge of. Is <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know his, his correction that he sees. Yeah, and and also interesting. Um, in, in that Miles wants, wants to establish some kind of order harmony in that conversation that, that I read earlier, harmony says, my job is to create a place where people are as free as possible to make decisions. Um, and in some ways it is at odd with what Miles is, uh, sees his mission as which is to just establish order that's not what that's not what harmony is about he's not Mm -hmm. about order he's about keeping things in balance and creating a space where people can make choices and the last character i wanted to note is is steris again i am not sure what seeds i like i can't put any specific thing (laughs) where i say like there's gonna be more to this character but i it didn't feel like a damsel in distress (laughs) you know nor did it feel like just a cold-blooded uh, I, I, I'm interested in, in marriage of convenience for my family and your family. It's I, certainly I, how she's set up in the beginning. Yes. But the marriage contract. Yeah. Which is just laughable. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> that scene with the marriage contract was so well written. And yet I think if I go on to book two, I'm more interested in seeing Steris than almost any other character. Like what's, yeah. what's the next step for this character, particularly because of that kind of surprise where I think 
most readers would be expecting Wax to say, I'm canceling the contract and I'm going to start a relationship with Marisy. Right. Well, if that's what you're interested in, then you should read book two. <laughs> okay. And book three. <laughs> uh, and I, you won't be disappointed. I don't think my interest is like, oh, I'm a savvy reader. I think it's Brandon Sanderson is leading me by the hand and saying, <laughs> you don't yeah. know it yet, but but here's where I want you to go. <laughs> and I want you to 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 like invest some interest in. He, mm-hmm. I, I think he knows what he's doing. I think. Well, he's been around the block a few times. Uh, surprisingly, so many times since like, wasn't his first book like something like 2005 <laughs> or six, like 15 years. But how many books has he put out? In those it's years just, it's just astonishing well todd do you have any final characters or thoughts on this book that you want to make sure we touch on i'm so glad that we got to dip our toe in these waters and um i really i i, I think these books are really fun mm-hmm. um if you if you read the first one and you think oh i want to read the next two because those were really fun you might benefit from finishing the Mistborn series. <laughs> uh-huh. um, just because, because Harmony is a character from those books and a really important character from those books. Um, and Harmony plays an important role in these stories. Um, also, and you're uh... not going to get the backstory and a little epilogue. Was it Iron Eyes? Is that what the character was called? Yeah, Iron Eyes. I remember something like under that in that first <laughs> Mistborn yeah, yeah. book. <laughs> it's been a it's been years since since we did that episode. But I'm like, oh, this is definitely something from before. So you can absolutely read these three books and not read the Mistborn stories, and it's fine. Um, in some ways, this book will spoil the the Mistborn series a little bit mm-hmm. I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that there are things revealed about harmony and iron eyes that would um that would spoil the Mistborn books but if you're if you're <laughs> in a mood to just kind of dive down a rabbit hole for a little bit i think the best way to go about approaching this is finish the Mistborn uh and then tackle this and it it just um it'll help you to understand the universe a little bit better I'll help you to understand the character of, of Harmony, who's really important, uh, better. And they're really interesting books. <laughs> they're really good. They're more dense. Um, they're closer to kind of epic high fantasy, the Mistborn ones. They're somewhere in between uh, the Wax and Wayne books and the and the Stormlight Chronicles. I would I would put Mistborn kind of somewhere in the middle there. Were the Mistborn was that his first one, the Mistborn? His first one was Elantris. Elantris, okay. Um, but Mistborn was uh, fairly early okay. in his career. I'm not. I'm not by any means a Brandon Sanderson <laughs> expert. It's a. It's a commitment <laughs> to really to really get it all. But it's totally um, the kind of thing that I can get into because it's Wikipedia pages and. Uh, and and characters that are connected to characters and characters that show up in different novels and um, and there's a whole uh, cosmology and right. theology. Uh, so like each world That's that he builds so has its own magic system, but it's it's rooted in like a big bang of the magic systems, right? <laughs> kind of right. And and there are there are some underlying principles 
that if you if you take a step back and you try to think like what what are the like the universal laws that apply here um you can you can kind of tease it out like like magic has a cost mm-hmm. right so if there's some power that is gained there has to be something that is lost in some way and that plays out in different ways on different uh, on different planets and um but but it, and there are people that have you know thought really long and hard about this and written nerdy articles about <laughs> yeah, about well, what might uh... be the kind of the driving laws behind uh, behind the Cosmere and and he he leaves enough breadcrumbs in the novels and in um, Arcanum Unbound, which is uh, like a collection of short stories that uh, that give some. Uh, some more information about the Cosmere. He lays enough out that that you feel like this is a game you can you can win. <laughs> yeah, if you if you dedicate yourself to it, I don't have the time to do it, but I think it's fascinating. Even between like uh, Mistborn and the Stormlight Archives, like there's this, uh, there are different systems, but there's this idea of like like fuel, like like the magic can mm-hmm. be spent, and uh, there, there, it's a resource, not. Uh, you know, this unlimited innate talent or something like that. Sure. And that's very different than the way that many other authors approach. Yeah. Like, you know, magic. a Harry Potter world where it's like, okay, you learn the spell name and, and there you off you go. Get your wand and you can <laughs> <laughs> you just go to town. And this one, it's very, it's very methodical. And um, there are lots and lots of rules about, <laughs> about how magic uh, can work. Right, but even and, like uh, contrasting with like Patrick Rothfuss, where there yeah. are like super, super detailed rules that you're you're taught, you know, in the in the book, it's yeah. still like once you know the rules, like you can do this the thing, you can do it. Uh, right. But this one, it's like, well, if you're doing it, you're burning a resource. Right. And how are you going to replenish that? Because uh, once once it's out, it, it can be out. <laughs> and even something like uh, like Miles Hundred Lives, like there's an explanation for why he can regenerate endlessly and mm-hmm. there's a way to undo it <laughs> you know yeah all right well i think that's going to wrap up this episode thank you for suggesting this book todd and giving me yet another book series that i feel an obligation to try and finish <laughs> <laughs> anytime see this is why i left the podcast so that i could just uh you know spend two months just uh diving into something like this and then tell you about it so that then you would feel bad that's <laughs> It's what friends are for. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, and oh, I'm already like, huh, do I use that next credit on book two <laughs> of, of Wax and Wayne? Uh, so uh, the debate goes. <laughs> that yeah. is going to wrap up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice. Please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Toffee, who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. So long. Uh, I'm really sorry, Andrew. I just zoned out. <laughs> like, it wasn't like I lost my place. I just stopped. Okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs>